the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In Christ is life unborrowed and underived. And John will say, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Christ is the light that created the world, according to the Bible. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And as a reminder, you can always tune into the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest, either online or in person. The name of today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Snake and the Lady. That's The Snake and the Lady. We hope that you enjoy it. We'll bring you the first portion of that broadcast here today. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Dear Father God, we want to be saved. Sometimes as Seventh-day Adventists, we're afraid to even use the word saved. It has a finality to it. Boy, it'd be nice to be saved right now for good, wouldn't it? But Lord, we know that our relationship with you is a journey. We're saved every minute, but we don't give up on it. So give us the faith of Jesus. Keep us away from the snake. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Chris Planer on Facebook has circulated a story that has been shared beside campfires for many years in different forms. It goes something like this. There was a young woman who loved her pet snake. Yes, a pet snake. Does anybody here have a pet snake? You had a pet snake. Twelve pet snakes? Was it for the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve apostles that you had these twelve snakes? Okay, I'm not probing too deeply. All right, well, she had a pet snake, and you had 12. You beat her. Were any of them seven feet long? Ten-foot-long snake. My goodness, you should be sharing this illustration. Now, she loved her pet snake. Did you love your pet snake? You did not love your pet snake. You were wiser than she was. (laughs) Now, she would feed her pet snake to make sure her beloved pet snake was happy and at peace in her home would smile with the snake smile. Her pet snake was seven feet long. Yours were ten feet. This is an anticlimactic illustration. It happens that one day the snake stopped eating. Did any of your snakes stop eating? No, they were well fed. That's good. Well, the woman tried everything she could to convince the snake to eat again. But the snake showed no desire to eat what she offered as food. Finally, in desperation, she took her pet snake to the vet. The woman unloaded the whole story to the vet who listened very carefully to her tale and her concerns. My snake won't eat. My lovely, beloved snake, I pet him, I love him, won't eat. When she was done unloading the tale and her concern for the snake, the vet asked her a simple question. 
Ma'am, have you been sleeping with your snake at night? And have you been cuddling up to your pet snake at night? Or stretching him out at night? She said, yes. I've been doing that every day to make him feel better so he'll eat and feel loved in my home. And after a little bit, the vet paused and said, ma'am, your pet snake is not sick. He has been preparing to eat you. He has been sizing you up every day so he knows how big he has to be. And he is not eating so he will have enough room in his belly to digest you. Wow. Ma'am, you may love the snake, but I assure you, the snake does not love you. Now, maybe this story inspired the song made famous by Alvin Thomas in 1968, who sang Secret Agent Man. He also was famous for the song The Snake. A few years later, Donald Trump commandeered the song out of context for his own political purposes. We're not doing that here. But the lyrics for The Snake go something like this. On her way to work one morning down the path alongside the lake, a tender-hearted woman saw a poor, half-frozen snake. His pretty colored skin had all been frosted with dew. Oh, well, she cried, I'll take you in and I'll take care of you. Take me in. You know, and the song is, take me in, for heaven's sake. Yes, take me in. I can't sing it the way he does, nor do I want to. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Yes, come on in. Take me in, tender woman, sighed the snake. Now she wrapped him up all cozy in a coverture of silk and laid him by the fireside with some honey and some milk. I mean, that's a strange picture. Now she hurried home from work that night, and as she soon arrived, now she found that pretty snake she had taken in had revived. Take me in, oh tender woman, yes, oh come on in. Take me in, for heaven's sake, yes, come on in. Take me in, tender woman, sighed the snake. Then he goes on to the third verse. Now she clutched him to her bosom. You're so beautiful, she cried. But if I hadn't brought you in by now, you might have died. Now she stroked his pretty skin again and then kissed and held him tight. But instead of saying thanks, that snake gave her a vicious bite. Ooh. Take me in, oh tender woman. Yes, come on in. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Yes, come on in. Take me in, tender woman, sighed the snake. I saved you, cried the woman, and you've bitten me even why, and you know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. Now you knew, and I'm not going to say the word that came in the lyrics. Well, I was a snake before you brought me in. Please take me in, oh tender woman. Yes, come on in. Take me in for heaven's sake. Yes, come on in. Take me in, tender woman, sighed the snake. And then the lyrics winds down like she is dying. That's an amazing song. Oh, that was a popular song for a period of time, but who likes to sing those songs often? Now, both the story and the song teach the lesson that you don't play around with a snake. Friend, the snake is not out to help you. The snake is not bent on being your friend. I can testify because I grew up where snakes are about. I'm an outdoors person. Snakes want to bite you. They want to eat you alive. So here's the advice of the day. Stay away from the snake as a Christian. The perfect creation of God begins with the true story of a snake and a lady And it ends with the lady and her husband doomed to die because they couldn't stay away from the snake. 
Now, most people don't realize it, but the snake in Genesis is first alluded to in Genesis 1, verse 2. Open your Bibles. Let's turn to Genesis 1, 1 to 3. Verse 2 is the first allusion to the snake in the Bible. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how it starts. The earth was without form and void. And here it is. And darkness was on the face of the, what does the scripture say? What's the word? The deep. That's the key word. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The Bible starts with God. It starts with creation. It starts with darkness and the deep. The Spirit of God intervening. God speaks. His word is manifested as the light. Of course, we know in the New Testament that Jesus is the light of the world. The light that precedes the sun, moon, or star on the first day is not created light. It's original light. In Christ is life unborrowed and underived. And John will say, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Christ is the light that created the world, according to the Bible. The Bible says that darkness was upon the face of the deep in verse 2. The Hebrew word tehom, say tehom, tehom. It is the Hebrew word for deep. Alpane tehom, upon the face of the deep in Hebrew. And it is a sea serpent kind of word in Hebrew. It evokes the imagery of a snake. It comes from the ancient Babylonian word tiamat. Now some of us have heard of that word recently. I was aware and watching a YouTube trailer, just kind of track the culture of our time. There's a Marvel movie out there where Tiamat is used, again, in the popular culture, but it goes way back. It was the sea serpent in ancient Babylonian mythology. And by the way, I don't recommend any Marvel movies to any of you. Don't go to them. Don't attend them. Let them be for those who don't want to go to heaven. How many of you going to heaven? You know, the theater, by and large, has nothing to do with this. Let's keep our focus on God. So this word comes from the ancient Babylonian word Tiamat. So Tehom comes, Tehomot is the plural of it, comes from Tiamat. It's etymologically related. And Tiamat was the dragon serpent that the god in the Babylonian pantheon, Bel Marduk, slew and pierced when he created the world and when he killed the sea serpent to get it done. In Isaiah 27.1, the dragon serpent in the Bible is called Leviathan, the twisted serpent. It's a reference to Satan, the ancient serpent. Satan is the sea serpent snake who loves the darkness of the sea and not the light of the day. In the Bible, the sea serpent's home is the deep. That's why demons were cast into the lake or the sea. It represents the place of demonic activity. So when you talk about Tehom or the deep, you're automatically talking about the snake. The crouching one, the one who couches or lies beneath, ready to rise up sneakily, take a ship down or bite you and kill you. That's the imagery. In both Genesis 49.25 and Deuteronomy 33.13, the Tehom deep, the serpent-like deep, crouches or couches like a snake. So this is not a contrived understanding. Why would there be darkness over the deep? The Bible is indicating, Genesis 1, that before this world was created, Satan was here. This was a holding cell for him. That would suggest that the great controversy between God and Satan was in play just before the creation of this world. And in the context of his prison holding cell, the water darkness deep, God created the world that we have. We've been told by the pen of inspiration 
that Satan entered into the rebellion because he could not be brought into the councils for the creation of this planet. And so the darkness was upon the face of the deep. The book of Job says that when the light of creation pierced the sea at the dawn of time, the fleeing serpent was wounded. He went as far down into the ocean as he could, but he could not escape the power of the light of the glory of Christ that created the world. Of course, the meek shall inherit the earth. The land rose out of the sea, and God kept the serpent at bay unless you came to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The same Hebrew word for ravats, for couching or crouching, used for the tehom deep in Genesis 49.25 and 33.13, is used in Genesis 4.7 to describe what sin can do to Cain. Let's take our Bibles and turn there. The same sea serpent couching and crouching personifies sin. Genesis 4.7. So God is speaking to Cain. He's quite upset because he's a spoiled little brat, can't get his own way. He's upset because God will not accept his kind of offerings instead of him accepting God. So God says, if you do well, Cain understood, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is, and what does it say in your Bible? Couching or crouching at the door. That's the sea serpent verb. It's couching or crouching at the door. It's desires for you, but you must master it. What he's saying is the old snake wants to get you. He wants to bite you. He wants to take you out. Your attitude is bad. You need to have good actions, better attitude. You need to listen to me. I'm a father God speaking to you. Cain, wake up. You're in trouble. Has God ever intervened in your life in that way? Where he's spoken to you directly and said, look, you're playing around with sin. You're fooling around with the culture of the world. You're choosing this part and that part, and there's overlap. You're not getting it right. If you do good, if you commit your life to right action, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to take you through the trouble of life, and you're going to make it. God comes to us with that kind of intervention because we are genetically and socially wired to sin. There is nothing in us that would keep us from falling were it not for the grace of God in our lives. And so we see a gracious God intervening to save this precious boy named Cain. Sin is a serpent that wants to bite you and eat you up and destroy you. So please avoid the serpent in your life. In the book of Genesis, sin starts with a serpent who claims to be wiser than the lady and smarter than God's word. He always comes that way. Genesis 3 verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Now this word wild creature can also refer to a cherubim or an angelic watcher, like in the book of Ezekiel, the four living creatures, also seen in the book of Revelation. What it's saying is the smartest being in the universe outside of God was this serpent. This serpent was not just subtle, he was crafty. He had mental acuity beyond any other created being. And here is Eve walking right into his power program where he begins to engage her. Now the Hebrew word for serpent is nakash. Why don't you practice that with me? Nakash. Nakash. Something like that. And it's related to the Hebrew word nekoshet. You can hear the similarity for bronze. Serpent and bronze are very similar. I went to Istanbul, Turkey, which was the new name for Constantinople, the old capital of the Roman Empire in the east. And they have right there in the amphitheater the ancient bronze serpent that was found at Troy, the Trojan War. 
And it's a symbol that goes way back, the Asclepian cult, the healing cult, and a bronze serpent. And it just was so amazing to see how important bronze and serpent is together. This word appears for the very first time, bronze, in Genesis 4.22, just a little later on. So there's an etymological connection here. Both words occur together in Numbers 21.9 when Moses built what kind of serpent? A bronze serpent. And he lifted it up. And whoever looked at that serpent, what happened to them? They lived. If they faced the fact that someone died on that pole or someone would take their place on a pole for their sins, someone would deal with the serpent stuff for them, they could live. Now Jesus alludes to that in John 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him... In other words, we live when we see Jesus as sin for us, dying on a cross. We will continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you would like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that at the close of our broadcast today. You can also attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in streaming format on that website. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Both words occur together, right here in Numbers 21.9. So serpent and bronze go together. Now bronze is the serpent metal because it takes wizardry and wisdom to mix the metals right to make it strong. It's a produced metal of human intellect. Bronze is the metal of the wise, more so than iron. Thus the very word serpent conjures the idea of being smart and wise, etymologically and by association with words. Now friends... Don't think for a moment that Satan and sin, that they are stupid. Did you hear me? I mean, don't say, well, you know, people who do evil, they just don't have any sense. No, sin is not stupid. Sin is smart. Sin is sophisticated. Sin can be technically enticing. Sin is a system of thought and learning and wisdom and philosophy that will bite you hard, sting you to death, because Satan is no fool in his twisted kind of evil wisdom. Friend, we live in a day today where Satanism has gained a foothold in America and even the church. Spiritualism masquerades as faith in many churches across our land. I'm not going to show you the picture of the statue of Satan with children gathered around him, learning his wisdom that has been placed in the public square and near some schools in our country. But you're aware of the news as I am as well. I'm sorry. The First Amendment of the Constitution was not intended to institutionalize Satanism in this country. You know, we are one nation under God. Now, the country has no right to institutionalize a day of worship or the like, but it has a right to prevent gross evil becoming institutionalized in this country. Some enlightened persons believe that we need to just allow anything in the name of religious freedom. Well, you know, as I understand religious freedom, it's the right to do the right thing. It's the right to have an opinion about something which will not destroy the lives of others. When we institutionalize those kind of evils, we are destroying a generation of children. And so conscientious, godly Christians can say, no, that's where the line of separation of church and state ends. But if someone starts fiddling with your day of worship, someone says you have to worship on Sunday, that's a violation of the principle. 
So we have to use sound judgment. Some people have actually used the principle of the separation of church and state to argue that it's a valid reason for abortions in our hospitals. That is not good reasoning. Friends, we are to stand for the right, protect the innocent. The Constitution does that. So does the Bible. So some enlightened persons believe that we need to be open-minded to Satanism or to worldly philosophies and such, and so we lose our children. My translation, like the King James Version, says the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature the Lord God had made. The English Standard Version and the New American Standard Bible says the serpent was more crafty. The Greek Septuagint translation, the 2nd century B.C., says the serpent was phronomos, wise and prudent. But I like the Hebrew better than them all. The Hebrew word arum means shrewd and crafty. Practice it with me, arum, arum. Shrewd or crafty or even sensible. It's a wordplay right here in the context of Genesis 3 with a word that sounds almost exactly the same. It's the Hebrew word for nakedness, arom, arom, arom. You can hear the sound. It's very similar. And so to be wise in the devil's eyes, arom will lead you to nakedness, arom, whereby you will lose your way. And that's what happens to Adam and Eve when the serpent is done. They become naked before God. They lose that confidence that God is with them and they run from God in their fear. The serpent was smart and appeared to be reasonable to Eve. So don't think for one moment that Satan's ideas are silly or foolish or idiotic. They are intentional. He has a system of error that is somewhat consistent enough to deceive. So even though Satan is evil, friend, never think he is a fool. Satan parades his evil in the garb of wisdom and culture and finesse. So beware of the snake who is shrewd and out to bite you and eat you alive. Can I ask you a simple favor? Don't sleep with the snake. Don't stroke the snake. Don't hang out at his tree. And don't start talking to the snake. And don't listen to his television programming. Or go to the theater to have him educate you. Am I right? How many of you want to go to heaven with me? I mean, come on. Look, we are tempted in this world in which we live, aren't we? A culture comes at us. The snake is out there. Let's stay away from it. I want to see all of us, myself, my family, our young people, saved, engaged as holy men and women of God at the time of the end. We need to get the snake stuff out of our culture. Dear heart, even though the snake is smart, the snake is still a snake. And that means Satan is a predator who wants to eat you and your family alive and render you dead. Sin is not neutral in our lives. It's not something we can play around with. It's couching at the door, ready to strike you and your family to death. So beware of the snake. The snake bites because the snake is the predator. And he's hungry for you, your children, your lives, your future. The first thing out of the snake's mouth is a question that would suggest to Eve that God limits our personal freedom by his word. You know, I've heard this before. People say, Pastor Mike, the Bible, it gives us all these rules, and if I follow them, I won't have any fun. I won't be free. Not so. Look at Genesis 3.1. He said to the woman, middle of the verse, He said, the serpent said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Hmm. The serpent is smart, and so he lures the lady at the tree into a conversation with the serpent in the tree concerning wisdom and food and freedom. This is a philosopher's snake hanging out in that tree. Eve's first mistake was to be there in the first place. 
Just showing up to talk to the snake is her big problem, the big mistake. Freedom was not found at that tree where the snake was at. God promised freedom with all the other trees, but not that one. The majority, a free roaming environment, this is the place you don't go. The serpent tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2.16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden. God didn't say that stuff the serpent came up with. He talked about real freedom, that you have a broad expanse of this place. The serpent insinuated that God had forbidden Eve to eat from any tree in the garden. And thus God's commandment from the perspective of the serpent took away her freedom when in reality God's word, God's commandment gave her freedom and gave them freedom in the garden. Satan insinuated that she had already disobeyed. She had already disobeyed in reason with God because she had eaten already something in the garden. And because she would eaten something in the garden, she was already out of sync with him. So why pay attention to him anyway? What a ridiculous God he is. That's how Satan works. He comes to us in life offering his version of wisdom in what we eat and drink. Probably the Einstein of our time is Roger Penrose. He's done magnificent research in quantum mechanics that affects the nature of consciousness. And just a brilliant mathematical mind. I enjoy listening to him. But he doesn't believe in God. You know, these guys are trying to find a way for the universe to invent itself out of a quantum uncertainty. So if you can get an equation that says it can come into existence on its own, who needs God? Well, that's the devil's kind of system. You leave God out of the mix. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude the first part of The Snake and the Lady. We hope that you'll join us when we conclude this broadcast the next time we get together. Again, The Snake and the Lady, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, the address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you are certainly welcome to join us online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.